Sean Smith, who is live in Sacramento, uh, joins us here on the Full Court Press. Uh, he is a maestro, as I've been told to use a fancy word in the fishing expertise world. And he was also an assistant under coach, uh, the legendary coach, I might put it, as uh, Bobby Knight. Con Smith joining us here on the Full Court Press. Con, thanks for your time. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to ask you this. Legend has it. Uh, I don't know if it's a myth or truth, but you were going to be, or at least coaching Skyview basketball in the summer, and then an offer came to go be an assistant coach at Indiana. Is that truth, or is there more to the story? Well, <laughs> there's always a little more to the story, but that's that's about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so what was that experience like? I mean, I mean, was it Bobby Knight who called you, or how did that end up taking place? Well, what happened was, is I had met Coach Knight at a clinic, and uh, I asked him a question about defending Herb Williams in the Big Ten championship game. It's a clinic in Salt Lake, and he was doing a big expo there because they just won I think the Pan Am games and won the NCAA. And so I was just a young coach. And so I asked him a question about defending the post. And he said, uh, God, that's a really good question. So he spent about an hour on all the different ways to defend a big guy, you know, front him, help off a non shooter, take away the reverse pass, play in and out, play, you know, all his shoulder, all, all the different ways he could do. And then after he says, "Hey, uh, come and see me after the clinic." <laughs> so I'm in Salt Lake, just uh, you know, in an old pickup truck because I was coaching at Westside, a little high school up in Southern Idaho, and I didn't have any money. And he, so I wait around after the clinic, and he's talking to all the college coaches and all the people there, you know, the so uh, big name guys, you know, and. And finally, they kind of cleared out. And I walked up to him and he says, hey, I just want to tell you that was a really good question. So I said, well, thanks. And he says, do you know a place to get ice cream? And I said, well, yeah, coach, I do. But he said, well, let's go. And I said, hey, I just got an old pickup. He said, I don't care. We're going. So we drive, <laughs> drive up and down State Street there in Salt Lake and find a Baskin-Robbins and get some ice cream. So I says, where are you going? And he says, well, I'm going to go up into Montana and meet Norm Ellenberger, who was the coach at New Mexico then. And he said, well, uh, we're going to go fly fish, and I'm trying to learn how to fly fish. And I said, Gal, Coach, I've been uh, fly fishing since I was eight years old. I said, where are you going? He goes, the Madison River. And I said, gee. That's where I've fished since I could walk. So I drew him out a map and told him where to go, and I gave him a bunch of flies I had there in my pickup truck and, you know, took him back. Well, for the next week, he's calling me every night at this little high school up in the west side home there and asking me if I knew another place to go fishing. So <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I'm there helping coach football. I'm telling the guys, hey, Bobby Knight's calling me every night. And they go, oh, yeah, right. Really <laughs> <is."> <laughs> you know? And I said, no, he really is. You know? So so that went on for a week, and then I didn't hear anything uh, from him. And at Christmas time, here came 
four pretty good-sized boxes, and it had every one of Indiana's game films that they'd played that year with a little note that said, I know you really like to study how we play. I thought these might be good for you, you know, and he sent me some training film. I'm like, wow, you know, and so then, you know, that had to be really expensive because they were 8-millimeter films and stuff, and so then that summer, I get a call from Odell Anderson at Utah State, and he says, hey, uh, I don't know what's going on, but Bobby Knight says he'll come speak at our camp, but the only way he'll do it is if I get you to take him fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I says, well, you know, he said, can you do that? And I said, well, yeah, sure, because I was just going to work camp, you know, and so so Liddell would speak, and then he and I would take off and went up into Idaho, southern Idaho and Montana fly fishing, so I got to know him that way, and then what ended up happening is, is I really got to know him. My teams were doing pretty good there. Up in 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 Idaho, we'd won a couple state championships and things. And then he had me go back to his camps and clinics. And then they won the national championship in 1981 with Isaiah Thomas and that team. And one of his assistants left, and he calls me on the phone. And he says, uh you're coming to Indiana as an assistant coach. He says, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, you can't pass this up. I got it all, I got it all set up to move you out here. So that's what's going to, you know, so that's what happened. But, you know, it's, it's kind of great in two ways. One is that, you know, somebody like me gets that kind of an opportunity. But the other one is, is that, you know, there are hundreds of guys that, wanted to go there really you know you just think about it just won the national championship and the former players and things like that but he had got to know me you know how I talked with people and you know had me do a lot of things and really grilled me about basketball and just felt like I was a young guy that would really help their program so that's what happened I went there and when I was there, I was there six years. We won the Big Ten, I think four times, won the NCAA, won the gold medal in the Olympics with the 1984 team with Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, and Chris Mullen, those guys. Good heck. Seriously. It was a fantastic, you know, really quite a meteoric, you know, jet ride in basketball. So I was pretty darn fortunate. Uh, Mr. Smith, as a as a Purdue grad, what was it like? Because I only know one side of, of Bobby Knight, and that's the one that threw the chair and all the anger and the yelling. <laughs> yeah. What was it yeah. like having that relationship with him that you described fishing, and then working with him when you know he was he was quite the motivator and quite the yeller? Yeah. Well, he's that's you know, there's no one that's more intense. You know, that's for sure. And Gene Cady was really intense at Purdue too, but not quite to the level. <laughs> Bobby was, and they're both really just great coaches. But, you know, really intense. He he had no problem at all on pushing a player to his, you know, abilities. I mean, if if you weren't playing up to what he thought your ability was, then, you know, he would push you to, to help you gain to get to that level. And the same thing with anyone in the program. You know, you just 
worked at such a high intensity level that things really mattered and you know and he was he was tough on you and tough on players but in the end you know you really were able to reach your maximum abilities and you know it's i don't know nowadays if if we can do that you know because to push people past their comfort level but no he was great absolutely great not not easy to work or play for but that's not what you wanted you know you wanted to be the best you could be hey i have it on record or at least that i I saw i read an article that said about that chair incident that you said all the other coaches should have thrown the chairs as well because it was that bad of refereeing is that true yeah yeah it actually is true i was sitting right there by him and you know, we we're that was a Purdue game, by the way. But we were uh, had a guy that just just flat out we felt like was just cheating. I mean, it was just awful. And, and so when Bobby threw the chair, you know, he of course was suspended and everything. But I spent every day that next week going to the Big Ten office with Wayne Duke and sitting down and going over every play of the game. And they actually ended up suspending the referee, you know, and everything from, from refing. But, yeah, it was awful. But, you know, that happens. And, you know, what was funny after it is <laughs> he, did, he did some advertisements with a local, uh, local furniture store. It'd be like R.C. Willie's or somebody in Utah, you know, big, big furniture store. And he says, you buy a couch. And I'll throw in a chair. <laughs> you know, so, and and you know his story was is that he was there coaching. There was this little old lady over in the corner across the court that didn't have a chair. He said she just <laughs> shouted over, "Hey, Bob, toss me a chair!" So he says, "What the heck? I just tossed her one over." <laughs> Uh, I I gotta ask you. You brought up the 1984 Olympic team. This this team featured Michael Jordan, but then you cut Charles Barkley and John Stockton. So, first question, it's a two part. What was it like coaching Michael Jordan? And two, what in the world were you thinking when you cut Charles Barkley and John Stockton? Well, it, it is so so hard. But Barkley was only 18 years old, and he was really really young, and pretty much overweight and so that that was part of it and you know we didn't have time to really develop and see what you know what kind of guy player is going to be then the other thing is we're playing against three two zones all the european teams played three two zones and you know they had all these big seven footers and everything so anyway our whole offense and defense was devised to play against those teams so you just try to make the best decisions and you know there were a lot of good plays Carl Malone didn't make it because he had the chicken pox in the Olympic trials and couldn't make, go to the trials you know so there's just things like that and then of course you know good night John Stockton he made the final 20 and Actually, Coach Knight really argued to keep him. I was in all the meetings, and so I know this for a fact. But he argued like heck to keep him. But like, you know, Digger Phelps and a bunch of other coaches were on the selection committee. They wanted. They thought that it was real important that Coach Knight kept his own player, which is probably true. You know, politically, how do you cut? 
if you're Bobby Knight from the state of Indiana, how do you cut Steve Alford? He's the <laughs> MVP of the state and Mr. Basketball and, you know, first team all Big Ten as, you know, freshman and sophomore. So, you know, how do you cut your own player, you know, and keep someone else? But Bobby's always said that, you know, taking everything into consideration, you know, he would have kept uh, Stockton, who, you know, both of them were small. John was, you know, really small, and so was Steve Alford. But, again, we're playing against zones, and, and Alford, I think, set all kinds of Olympic records in shooting. You know, he hardly missed the shot through the whole Olympics. So, you know, that's just – that's really difficult. Of course, you know, now after everything Stockton's done, being all pro all these years and all these things, golly, you know, you think how, how in the world could you not – could he not have taken him at that time, but you know, they're all Stockton was able to get with a great, great team with the Utah Jazz and great, great coaches and develop himself into you know, being the best point guard maybe ever in the NBA. And I think a lot of that credit goes to, you know, Jerry Sloan and Phil Johnson and you know, of course Frank and Scott Wade and those guys, you know, they're they're the, they're the ones that really helped John, you know, stop and develop the way that he did. But those are just tough decisions you have to make as coaches, and you don't always make the right ones, you know. Legendary coach Steve Kahn with us. Mr. Kahn, uh, um, what – excuse me, Kahn Smith. Sorry, I did it backwards. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> you, I think all Jazz fans have a very bitter memory, more so recent, of Michael Jordan. What was it like back then – uh, for the with the Olympic team seeing him, could you see ultimately what he ended up being, or was it maybe you didn't uh, see him being the gro- the greatest of all time? Oh no no no! He, as soon as he started working with him, you know, I was on the court with him every day for six weeks, and in every drill and everything that you did, he worked as harder harder than anybody else. And then he was, I mean, he just. Every day in practice, you'd turn to one of the other coaches and say, did you just see that? I mean, it was just athletically, he was just a step above everybody. You know, he just was incredibly gifted athlete. So, no, it wasn't hard. I mean, I will tell you a story. We were playing a a game in the summer prior to the Olympics in the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis, and there were 68,000 people there to watch it. So, we played, I think, three NBA All-Star games prior to that one and had beaten the NBA All-Star teams with this Olympic team. So I used to work out with them in the summer a little bit with with Isaiah Thomas and when they come back in the summer, you know, so I kind of knew those guys. And so I went into the NBA locker room before the game just to say hi to guys. And so the NBA All-Star team had Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson as guards and Kevin McHale and Norm Parrish as a forward and Larry Bird. So Isaiah Thomas was from Indiana. Larry Bird was from Indiana. And uh, and so I went in there and Bird's got guys up against the wall saying, we're not losing to these guys anymore. I don't care, you know. And, uh, and they, I mean, they were fired up to play. And I went back into our locker room and there's 
you know, just see what Michael Jordan was looking like, and he could not wait to get on the court. It's like, you know, there's no, hey, I'm intimidated, you know, nervous. He could not wait to get out there to, you know, to compete against those NBA greats, you know, of all time. And, and I think we won, the Olympic team won by 15, you know. And so it just was the team defense. And, of course, we've been working and playing together for six, seven weeks to that point. And they were playing at a really high level. But, you know, that, that uh, Olympic team... Good night. I mean, you know, you got Patrick Ewing in the middle. Now, think about this as his own offense. You got Patrick Ewing in the middle, playing a baseline, Michael Jordan at the free throw line, Chris Mullen on one wing, you know, one of the greatest three point shooters of all, all time. Sam Perkins on another wing. He's 6'10, 6'11, really great three point shooter. And then whoever on the point, Steve Alford on the point, who doesn't hardly ever miss a shot. So, you know, you got the you got the three shooters on the outside. Michael Jordan, the free throw line, who nobody can stay in front of, and then Patrick Ewing behind his zone on a baseline. That's that's pretty dang good zone offense. <laughs> that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Con, I wanted to ask you. You uh, you are very knowledgeable in the world of fishing, as you've already mentioned. Uh, that also helps you develop a really good relationship with the Utah Jazz. Tell me how that came about, because I know you've you've taken a few guys up to your ranch. You've taken a few guys fly fishing. What were those experiences like? You know what? When you go fly fishing with somebody, it seems like you become their friends forever. You know, and, and my first one that I really took was Larry Miller. And God, we just had the best time, you know. He he was so intense and so driven with everything that he did and putting the whole thing together in Utah. But knew a rancher that is kind of got to know him a little bit, and so I ended up taking him him fly fishing. And then, God, when things would get tough, his secretary would call me and say, "Hey, hey, coach, you need to take Larry fly fishing." <laughs> you know, so I, you know, just, just, you know, they're just so driven. They need time to get away from everything, and, and so we became really close. And then I, of course, kind of knew his sons as they were growing up and everything. And then, then he would have me take a lot of people. You know, he had me take Wilford Brimley and the Osmonds, and you know, different people like that. You know, Governor Levitt and things like that. So I'd do that for Larry just because we're friends. And then now we still go up and spend a, a day or two with the whole Utah Jazz staff, my son and our guys. You know, we take them all out and go fly fishing up at their ranch there for a day or two, usually just prior to the draft. So it's a lot of fun for hey, us. But, Con, yeah. side, side note or side question to this, I actually got a bunch of questions from uh, a mutual friend of yours and mine. Uh, but I heard, and I wonder if this is true, that when you would go golfing with Bobby Knight, the the assistant or the secretary would tell you to make sure that he won so he wasn't coming back in an angry mood. Is that true? Well, no, but that's not to that effect. But all of us that ever worked for Coach Knight, we, uh, 
we thought that things went a little bit better if he was able to win. (laughs) (laughs) He did not like losing at anything. Not at anything. I mean, believe me. So, so, yeah, no, I, one time in the summer, I, you know, would run his summer basketball camp. And what I mean by that, you know, the head coaches in the summer, they they don't want to monkey around with registering kids and setting up everything. So the assistant set it all up, but he had a really huge basketball camp. And so day before canceling, and I'm running the camp, you know, there's, can be 800 kids and 50 coaches come in and all that. So I'm running the camp. I'm down in the field house getting ready. And here came the trainer and says, hey, con coach wants you. And I said, well, what does he want? He said, he wants to play tennis. So <laughs> the, other, the other two coaches, Joby Wright and Roy Swalm, say, hey, uh, con, now be cool now. You know, you <laughs> don't <laughs> going into camp for six weeks, you know, and so, <laughs> and so uh, we get playing, and, uh, and we played at a little a place we called Wimbledon, it was a rich guy there in Bloom, had this really uh, immaculate court, but we get playing, and I get up four games, though, and he's getting pretty agitated, so <laughs> I threw the rest of the games, and I went 6-4. Just so, magically lost my serve. Yeah. <laughs> well, we go back into the cave, you know, in the bottom of Assembly Hall, and, and we're sitting there, and Steve Downing comes in, his assistant AD there. He played at Indiana, played for the Celtics, but he's, he came in and says, hey, you guys play tennis? Who won? And, and coaches. Well, he says, after I got going, he says, I just kicked Con's ass. <laughs> 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 so... <laughs> That didn't go over real big with me. <laughs> so he walks out, and Royce and Joby's like, hey, hey, hey. I said, hey, let me tell you something. That is the last time I'm letting that zombie win. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, oh, that's so the next day, camp starts like at 2 at noon. Here comes the trainer to get me again. Says, Bobby wants to play tennis. And I turned to jo- Joby and Royce. They're like, come on now. You got- <laughs> you got- and I said, hey, I'm going to win every point. It's like, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> and they're walking. But I said, I don't care. And so we get playing, and, and I win the first set, 6-0. He breaks his Ivan Lindell racket. You know, and, oh and so gosh. he's madder than heck, and I'm going back to the service line he's hitting balls past me i turn around and he's just steaming mad he'll serve him up i said we gotta go to camp said, i don't care about camp so we play again and i'm up like four games enough the second set and he breaks his other racket so now he doesn't have a racket <laughs> you know and people are around the neighborhood or wondering what he's yelling screaming <laughs> So I just go sit down on the bench, and, and he goes around to the pool house, and all of a sudden I hear all this splash and a crack. I thought, oh, my heck, he's throwing all the guys' furniture in the pool. <laughs> so I, I go around, and he's sitting fully clothed in the pool. <laughs> all I can see is hat. And, and I, so I don't say anything. I walk over in, in the pool house and get me a Coke sit down and he starts pounding his fist on the water 
I can't concentrate. I can't, you know, let's go. So we jump, jump in his brand new Lincoln. They just got, he's fish town through the neighborhood, soaking wet. Get the assembly. He goes, get out. And so get out. he takes off. And so, you know, he comes back and camp and everything. Doesn't talk to me for a full first for the full first week and I'm running his camp (laughs) and he just goes around can't anybody do anything you know look at those little smudge marks on the backboard or look at garbage can hasn't been emptied or whatever but the other assistants could have killed me you know (laughs) 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 and then he one day said come on let's go and I get in the car and he says I don't you know he was having some problems and he just said sometimes i hurt the guys i love the, mo- the most you know so but you no know, that's it he's just so so competitive and so driven to win at everything and so analytical it doesn't matter what you're doing playing you better try to do it as well as you can you know so anyway i really love and appreciate him for that he's not doing so well now he's 80 he's got a little bit of dementia shuffles his feet a little and forgets things but uh i think he's gonna go back to a game ohio state here in the next next little while i I just talked to him the other day i love him to death he's been great for me and great for a lot of really good players you know the the ones that are critical of him sometimes probably weren't very good players (laughs) and they, they use that as an excuse but but no he was great he's really helped a lot of people be successful and you know and he's bobby knight that's what he is you know so that's what you got to take him for hey going back to your uh experience of being able to uh doing fishing and and building relationships who's one of the best uh people i guess one of the most enjoyable experiences which person would that be with that stood out to you of of a day of free fishing that you never forget oh god i have so many but Gosh, you know, of course, Larry Miller, he was just wonderful, for sure. And I don't know. I, I fished with Johnny Bench, and I fished with John Havlicek, and I've done a bunch of fishing hole shows with Jerry McInnes. It was just one of the very founders of ESPN Outdoors. Wait, I, I, I'm sorry you to know. interrupt you, Mr. Smith, but did you just casually tell me that you went fishing with John Havlicek? Oh, yeah, a lot of times, yeah. He, he was great. John's one of the really great, great people. But, see, he and Bobby Knight were teammates at Ohio State. They won the national oh, championship. Oh, I didn't know there that. Ohio yeah, so that's kind of how I got to know him. But, he, yeah, we'd go every, every summer doing some stuff, yeah. I, I got to ask just a lot. I hate to even say that because there's so many guys, that been able, and they're all, all have been really great. I'd hate to leave somebody out, but. Well, they're probably not even listening anyway, so. Oh, I don't know. But I, I, yeah, it's it's been fun. I, you know, there's been, uh, God, there's a lot of people that have just been just great uh, to to fish with. Uh, And 
Yeah. You know, I was just gonna say, you know, your your boy uh, Steve is. Uh, I, I think he's he's helping at Ridgeline uh, coaching, and then you you got your boy, other boy Chandler, helping coaching yeah. at Mountain Crest. Did you yeah. ever tell them like, don't do it? Whatever you do, do not coach. No, or you you don't do that as a parent. You gotta let them live their own life. So no, they both have always enjoyed basketball and been good at it. Both of them were all staters in basketball, so. It's just natural for them to coach, and they're really good coaches. They're both doing fine. They they enjoy it and love it. But yeah, they get, always ask me questions. I'm like, I'm trying to forget basketball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my mind gets racing, but no, I I enjoy. It. I'm really glad they're able to do that. And, you know, it's working with kids. You know, trying to help them learn how to do something. So. They're good teachers. Um, I, you gotta like that. I ran into you at the uh, Nevada Utah State basketball game at the Spectrum uh, this past Saturday night. When you saw the Spectrum as it was, did it bring back uh, a flood of memories of what that place used to be like, or what was that experience like for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Great people there in Logan. I've always really loved the people there at Utah State. I, you know, when you get away from it, you get away from it. You know, you don't. I, I'm. To the point where I just want to move on with life and do other things. You know, I like to do things with the church and you know, with my family and this and that. So I don't go back to a lot of games, but but no, I enjoy following, watch them on TV and everything, and uh, you know, as well as a lot of other teams. But I was there to see Steve Alford, you know, because mm-hmm. he came in as a freshman when I was at Indiana, and then was so great, you know, he accomplished a lot of things there so we've been close all through the years it's just a coach player relationship so he got me some tickets wanted me to come watch his team with my family so of course we went absolutely <laughs> uh yeah. what is the best fishing story you have i mean whether it was i mean i mean when we now we talk fishing stories people think about these long drawn out lies but for you the experiences with the people you fish tell me just one of the great memories that you had oh, in your fishing experience that you won't forget? God, I don't know. Probably, I don't know. <laughs> There's so many. I don't know if I can pick out one, but I don't know. I I, I, I fished in, in Russia. You know, that was pretty special. Walked the streets of Petopolsky. I fished in Cuba and walked the streets of Havana and then Took a tugboat up along the national parks and fished for bonefish and tarpon. Wow. But, you know, they're just, of course, they're, you know, once-in-a-lifetime things like that. But, no, probably just fishing with my dad on the Green River, you know, floating down and watching him catch fish for, you know, dad my brother. That's the most special of all of them, really. Uh, you're... Your your boy's running the uh the your the fishing store now, right? You're a retired man. Yeah, he actually yeah I sold that to him, so he's doing really great. He supplies all the flies for all the sportsman's warehouses and and you know stores. So the, he's doing just great. Yeah, they sell a ton of flies, about four million of them a year, I think now. Where pe- yeah. where can people find that store at? Well, all the sportsman's warehouses. They're all of our flies, you know. Every fly in those stores are his, and Shields, another one, Smith and Edwards, another one. So, yeah, they're all across the country. 
Hey, Con, I know we said 20 minutes. You spent 30 with us, and I can't tell you oh. how much of a pleasure it was. Absolutely. That was... I'm sorry you should have told me to shut up. No, that's us saying we're going to spend as much time as we can. No, that was oh. that was a blast. Hey, you know, I haven't been fishing since I was 12, so you got to... Oh. I'm going to hold you to your word if you say yes, but will you take me fishing sometime? Can you tie your own shoes? Yes. Okay, then I can take you fly fishing. That's what I'm talking I've never been fly fishing in my life, ever. Not once. And I would well, love to learn from one of the greatest to ever do it. Think. It's, it's not near as hard as you think, and it's really, I could teach you how to fly fish in five minutes. So I'm going to hold you. I'm going to hold you to it, then. We'll, we'll go fly fishing sometime in the spring. Uh, Sounds great. Con, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Let's do it again sometime. All right. Thank All right. You. Take care. You bet. Bye-bye.